We're joined again by Bill Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know him as like a walking Encyclopedia Britannica when it comes to the history of our country. Uh, Bill, I was reading about, and there was a lot of conversation recently about Winston Churchill and his never-have-so-few speech. When you think of Winston Churchill and you think of that speech as, as well as others that he gave, do, do you think of anyone uh, in history that can match up to what that man did when speaking to the public? Well... There would be uh, very few. Of course, you know we don't have any uh, we don't have any recordings of uh, of anybody before uh, the end of the 19th century or the beginning of the 20th century. So we don't know what Abraham Lincoln sounded like. Uh, we don't know what Thomas Jefferson sounded like. We don't know what. George Washington sounded like, uh, we don't know what, uh, the great Roman orator Cicero sounded like. We know that, uh, we have copies of their speeches and we know that what they wrote and what they said was, uh, tremendously, uh, articulate, enlightened, inspiring. Uh, but we don't know how they sounded. And the sound uh, of a voice uh, adds quite a bit or detracts from what is said. I, I mean, you can think of somebody saying, uh, first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Okay, Franklin D. Roosevelt says that. And it, it uh, both calms and inspires a nation that is uh, in the depths of a depression and people are in fear of losing their jobs and losing their homes and, and, uh, and all kinds of bad things happening to them. But if Casper uh, Milktoast says that, you know, and uh, doesn't put the emphasis in the right place, Sounds ridiculous, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think that uh, that the uh, uh, the voice of the person does have something to do with it. Now, Winston Churchill had a tremendous wartime voice, and uh, I I recall reading one time where uh, somebody uh, uh, commended. Churchill for his strength and fortitude in uh, in uh, facing up to the Nazis and uh, defeating them and this was even this was just before the end of the war so the war was still going on and and Churchill said well it was the British people who stood up to Hitler and the Nazis and who uh, who have uh, faced them in battle and defeated them and uh, it was just my privilege to, uh, or yeah, they provided the strength of the British lion. It was my privilege to provide the roar. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that happens, you know, I mean, think of, uh, 
uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, inaugural address and the line that everybody knows, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And, uh, and then you think about that. Well, okay. Wait a minute. Why should I ask what I can do for my country? I'm paying taxes. <laughs> I'm working. I'm, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, uh, why shouldn't I ask what my country's going to do for me for all of the things that I'm, uh, uh, I'm providing to my country? But, you know, I mean, Kennedy uh, was talking on a higher plane. You know, he was he was talking about about the uh, the greatness of America and the uh, the inspiring uh, uh, qualities of our nation, of our basic beliefs, of uh, what we were founded on, and then you know you put that line on top of it in context what he of how he said it, and uh, it makes more sense. I, I want to go back, uh, Bill, though, to, to the point you were making about FDR and Churchill and, and how you took us through the timeline forward. It is When you think about history and you think about the individual, the man or the woman that was in the perfect place at the perfect time, you know, you look at FDR at a time when prior to FDR, you know, there were individuals saying the government has no role. They wanted small government. And FDR took it just uh, uh, 180 degrees the other way because we were in the depths of a depression. We had people in food lines. We had, you know, and, and then you take Winston Churchill during, you know, a war. Uh, a war against an evil, uh, a war against the Nazis. And then you keep going. I mean, what is it about the success of certain people at certain times? And then take it a step further. Individuals that, that didn't, because we haven't always been blessed with individuals that were there at the right time. No, and uh, <clears throat> and I don't know if there is a logical, rational answer to that. Uh, what is it that when it looks like everything is going completely to... Uh, you can say to hell. <laughs> everything is going completely to hell that somebody has the guts to step forward and say, we have the resources, we have the know-how, we have the energy, and I have the leadership to get us out of this crisis. Follow me, and we'll get it done. And what is it that, uh, because for most people, the feeling is to just stand where they're at and say nothing, even though they know that something needs to be said, something needs to be done. But yet they will, most of us, will just not do it. 
And uh, because whatever, we're afraid uh, we're going to be wrong. We're afraid somebody's going to criticize us. We're afraid somebody will attack us. Well, you know, all those things happened to Churchill and, and Roosevelt and uh, JFK. And, you know, I mean, they, uh, uh, but yet they stood up there. You know, Kennedy said uh, this country should commit itself to the goal of placing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth within the decade. And, uh, and people thought, my God, what kind of a nut is he? We don't even, <laughs> we, can't, we, can't, we can't hardly get an object the size of a football into orbit, much less sending something to the moon. There are things that we will need to have that not only haven't been invented yet, people haven't even envisioned them yet. You know, and here, here's this guy standing there saying, we need to commit ourselves to that goal. We need to uh, commit ourselves to do that. And uh, uh, who, what kind of an idiot is he? Well, you know, it turned out that he was a brilliant idiot. He knew, he knew what this country was capable of. He knew what we could do. And he knew that if the challenge was put there in front of us, that we, uh, American people, would accept that challenge and we'd do it. Another thing Kennedy said one time that I always struck me was he said, uh, uh, Americans don't want anything that is just mediocre in between. We either want <clears throat> everything we do to be extremely easy or extremely difficult. But we don't like the in-between stuff, the lukewarm stuff, the, the, the just kind of the uh, everyday oatmeal stuff. Building a highway stuff. Yeah. Well, even so, uh, building a highway. If we're going to build a highway, by God, let's make the interstate highway system mm -hmm. that connects every part of this country to every other part. Let's not just build a road from... Uh, from uh, Fargo to Grand Forks, let's build a road from uh, uh, that goes from the Canadian border to the Mexican border, from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic, and then connects everything else uh, to it. You know, I, I want to give you a couple examples, though, of, of maybe what I was getting at in terms of, and and I'm going to show my bias here, obviously, uh, on the second one, but the first one being what the German people did prior to, just just prior to, uh, Adolf Hitler going into power. You know, the, there are many of them that knew how evil this man was and knew what he was going to bring with him. And then the other one, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, Bill, uh, but, the, but the other one being the situation of electing the first black president ever, and that man overseeing a robust economy, uh, that man proving that a black man could lead and, and be a tremendous leader. And then immediately following that, uh, we have a man that divides us, that uses race as a reason to divide this country more. So those are two examples I'm throwing. I realize that that's, that's a meaty topic, but I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I, I think, uh, that anybody, any person uh, uh, 
of the uh, intelligence, uh, the intellectual capacity, the the uh, uh, abilities uh, of a uh, Barack Obama could do what he did, regardless of the color of their skin. Uh, I I think that the phenomenon of uh, Donald Trump was something that this country had never seen before. We have had presidents whose policies caused some division in the country, but it was not done intentionally. This was the first time that we have ever had a national leader who intentionally sought to achieve power and to maintain power by dividing the country. Of course, you know, the, the old military axiom is divide and conquer, you know, split your enemy's force and then defeat one and defeat the other, you know, uh, uh, you probably can't uh, defeat the whole thing at once, but you can split it up and, uh, and defeat it in pieces. And, and that's, uh, uh, that's what uh, uh, Trump and the people around Trump, that's what they sought to do. And that's what they did with the Republican Party. You know, he never, up until the very end of the primary season, he never got more than 30% of the vote in those primaries, but the Republicans had a winner-take-all. Uh, so whoever got the most votes, and uh, Trump got 30%, somebody else got 15 somebody else got 10 somebody else, you know. So you had 70% of the vote that did not go to Trump, but he won all the delegates because they had a winner-take-all uh, rule. Well, uh, and, the, and they divided up their uh, uh, the rest of their party. If it had only been one other candidate running against him at the beginning, anyway, let's say it had been Jeb Bush, or uh, uh, I don't even remember who all the other candidates were in there, but let Jeb Bush is the one that I think of. And had it just been Trump versus Jeb Bush, you know, that would have been the last we heard of Donald Trump. But it wasn't that way, you know. He he succeeded in dividing the Republican Party and conquering it, and then they brought that tactic to the national level, and uh, uh, sort of did the same thing, and uh, and he ends up getting uh, elected president. So uh, whether you like Donald Trump or whether you don't. I mean, I think that he and his team used that tactic, but they were the first, the first in the history of the country to use that tactic intentionally with the intention of dividing up their opposition and then defeating it uh, in detail and... uh, and achieving power, and then they sought 
to maintain them in power by basically doing the same thing, only that that didn't work. I'm gonna, I'm going to use the number three for this question. Um, and last question, I promise. You probably want to. Uh, get back to Rutland to the Lariat, which, quite frankly, after I got my two free drink tickets, I want to do. Uh, but uh, tell me who your three favorite presidents are. They're your three greatest presidents in your mind. The three greatest presidents. Well, <clears throat> I think despite what Donald Trump told us, <laughs> in my mind, he's not one of them. <laughs> but uh, uh i'd agree <laughs> but but i think i think that uh, uh and i'm probably just a traditionalist here but i think that george washington has to be uh the greatest president i mean our country at the time when he was president our country was a pretty minor country we didn't have that many people we were insignificant militarily uh, uh, but, uh, he set the tone. He, uh, said, okay, we're going to do everything on the up and up. We're going to be honorable. We're going to be honest. We're going to, we're going to do it right. Even if it hurts, we're going to do it right. And he did. And he set that example it's been an example that has uh, guided, I think, our best efforts as Americans uh, for uh, for the whole history of our country. Uh, and uh, when we uh, have uh, ignored the example of George Washington, that's when we've had uh, uh, that's when we've had some difficulties. Now, there were some things that could not be helped just because of how our country rose and what happened with our country economically, militarily, our position geographically on the globe with borders on two oceans and all of those things. There were, we could not avoid being involved in world affairs. But at the time when George Washington was president, the most dangerous thing we could have done would have been to tie ourselves to France or to Spain or to Great Britain because they were bigger countries, more populous, bigger militaries. They would have gobbled us up. And uh, <clears throat> he saved us from that. I think the number two guy has to be Abraham Lincoln just because he by his moral courage and strength, not only held our country together, but pulled it back together, forced it back together, uh, even, uh, you know, uh, uh, against, uh, against the will of some of our countrymen. He forced us all to be Americans and to understand what it meant to be Americans and to redefine the American, uh, uh, what it meant to be an American. I, uh, uh, where it's not just uh, that uh, oh, 
we are a collection of states, but that we are one people who uh, uh, we have states to help us govern our nation. But we are Americans, and we believe as Americans, and we believe in in uh, uh, liberty. Uh, we believe in justice for all people, not just not just for as it was back in the day when our country started. Uh, you know, where it was uh, uh, white males who owned property. And uh, Lincoln redefined our country to mean we believe in, in uh, equal justice for all. We believe in equal treatment under the law for all, not just the people who own property, not just people of a certain race, not just the people of a certain gender, but all people. Now, it took our country, you know, another hundred years to kind of figure that out. But it was Lincoln who did that. And I, uh, I think that makes him the number, the number two guy. And, uh, and for our, my number three uh, is uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Just, uh, and I think it, it's because he, he inspired, re-inspired our country our countrymen, to believe in America and to believe that they could do something to uh, influence the direction of our country and to control their own lives. Um, uh, I remember uh, I interviewed uh, former Governor Art Link once uh, back, probably, I think it was in 2004. And I asked Art, I said, what, what do you think about Franklin D. Roosevelt? Because uh, you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt was president when Art Link was a young adult trying to uh, hold a farm and ranch together out at Alexander, North Dakota. And Art just said, uh, he saved the country. <clears throat> and, uh, and I think it, when you read history, when you look at history and what, what Roosevelt did, you know, maybe there were big blunders. Uh, there were probably mistakes. And he said that at the get-go. He said, we're going to try a lot of things. Some of them probably aren't going to work, and those that don't work we'll discard, and those that do work we'll keep doing, and we'll try new things until we work our way out of this economic depression. And then, and then he led our country through World War II. Uh, I think uh, that uh, was probably the greatest achievement of his life, and and it's still probably our at least one of our greatest achievements as a nation in the 20th century, certainly, mm -hmm. and probably throughout history, was to stand up to 
uh, Hitler and Mussolini and uh, and uh, Tojo in Japan and and to uh, and to defeat them and then as Harry Truman uh, once commented the uh, uh, a great man has to be able to die at the right time <laughs> and Franklin D Roosevelt died <clears throat> at the moment of victory you know he did not have to deal with Joe Stalin after World War II. He didn't have to deal with the Cold War. He didn't have to deal with the uh, obstinate allies like uh, Charles de Gaulle of France, like Harry Truman did. But, but anyway, I, I, think that, uh, I think that Roosevelt, in my top three of American presidents, uh, is, is certainly one of them. And you know, and I mean, I'd go back to uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I think that Theodore Roosevelt probably would have been in the top three had he faced an international crisis. Well, in a way, he's ours. So we yeah. need to talk about him another day. Yeah. They'll love these conversations. Promise you'll do it again with us. Oh, yeah, sure. You bet. Anytime, Joel. Uh, always have fun. Uh, glad I finally got to meet Abby. And uh, I'm jealous that you've been keeping her to yourselves up here at the station. you got to get her out into the countryside to meet the folks. You bet. Well, she's so nice in the beginning. So th- <laughs> thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Uh, we All will right. do this, uh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, more. I give you my word on that.